Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, picking up right where we left off. Sometimes I wonder why the, whenever, whenever the folks that decided to split the Bible into chapters and verses, why they made some of the splits where they did. But, but what's talked about at the beginning of Hebrews 6, it follows right along with what we're seeing at the end of Hebrews chapter 5. Now, in the beginning of chapter 5, the author of Hebrews is, is trying to, to get to this point he really wants to get to, and that is the significance of Jesus as high priest. And and he, and he keeps going back to, we've seen it in the last couple of weeks at the end of the, of the verses we've looked at, this mention of Melchizedek. Now, we talked about him some this morning in Sunday school, coincidentally. But, but the author of Hebrews, he, he's, he's wanting to get into this topic of Melchizedek. And we've seen that mentioned twice here in the last couple of weeks. And he's going to get into it in chapter 7 in great detail. But we've already seen in this book up to this point that sometimes the author of Hebrews, he gets on a point, and then he kind of stops. And then he has to kind of fill him in and explain something to him. And then he gets back to his main point. And that's what we see here in the verses we're looking at today. In Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 6, verse 3. He's wanting to talk about Melchizedek and all the things that are important about Melchizedek. But he has to stop. He stops for a second and he has, to, he has to address some things that need to be addressed before he can go on for his audience. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. He says, we have a great deal to say about this. Now, the about this that he's talking about is he, he had just finished in the verse before talking about Melchizedek. He had mentioned him two times. We have a great deal to say about this. And it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. For those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. Let's pray. God, we come to you today and your word is good. And dear Lord, maybe this, this, this word is good for us today. God, it's good for us to read your word because sometimes we need a wake-up call, dear Lord. Perhaps there are some of us today who are lazy and dull of hearing, dear Lord. Perhaps there are some of us today who are not as mature as we should be in you. God, perhaps we are living as infants in our walk with you, dear Lord. Maybe we're missing some of the blessings that you want to give to us, dear Lord, some of the joy of walking with you because of our immaturity. So, God, we want to be those who hear your word and understand your word and grow in your word. But, God, maybe we're like this audience of the Hebrews. And, God, maybe, maybe we're immature in some ways in our walk with you, dear Lord. So I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you, take away pride or fear that's in my heart, dear Lord, 
And I pray that everything be for your glory. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to us today, that we would hear from you. God, you know where we are. You know what we need to hear. You know what our struggles are. You know what our areas of being immature are, dear Lord. So I pray, dear Lord, that we would grow in you and continue to grow in you and listen to your word, God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here the, the, the author of Hebrews had been talking about some kind of deep stuff. We, we probably could agree on that. And one of the things that I think is beautiful about the book of Hebrews, and, and any time we look at Scripture, is that the author of Hebrews is pointing out Scripture to back up what he's talking about. He's using Scripture to explain Scripture to make his points. Now, I know sometimes that's kind of laborious because we're flipping back and looking at this psalm or looking at this passage in Isaiah. But it's good for us to do that. It's good for us to grow in the Lord in that way, that we, that we dig into God's Word, that we try to understand these things that are difficult, that we kind of fight through some of the stuff that's, that's tough. And he's been telling his audience these things that are, that are kind of difficult. Probably they had a good understanding of them. They were Jewish. They understood the, the Old Testament things. But he's, he's hitting them with all these things. And he's going from this topic to that topic. And he's, and he's pointing out the significance of Jesus as high priest. And, and he's about to talk about Melchizedek, but he stops. He stops because he, he realizes that, wait a minute, my audience is not is not ready for this yet. They need to wake up. They need to pay attention. They, they should be ready to grow in the Lord. These are, these are people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and had been walking with Jesus at least for a little while, maybe for a long time, and they should be at a point where they're spiritually mature and ready to do the work of God and not cave in under the pressure of persecution and the suffering that they were facing. And the author of Hebrews says, but they're not ready. They should be ready. They should be more mature than they are, but they are beginning to regress back to their former state. Now, they should have recognized that, hey, all of the things in the Old Testament were pointing forward to Jesus. They were a shadow of what was to come. But Jesus has fulfilled these things. Jesus has fulfilled the promises of God. The Scripture says the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus, that it's all been fulfilled in who Jesus is. And the audience should have been able to recognize this. And they should have been living for Jesus. But instead, they were beginning to regress back to their old way of living. Now, this is important for us. Not because we're tempted to regress into the Old Testament law. Maybe in some ways we are. For the most part, we're not, though. But his audience here should have known the, the, the grace and the power and the glory of Jesus but instead, their old way of life seemed more alluring to them. And what about you and I? Perhaps there are some in this room that have put their faith in Jesus Christ and you've walked with Jesus maybe even for a long time. But there are times in our Christian walk that if we're not growing in Christ, we begin to regress. Now, there really is no such thing as staying stagnant. We, we, we don't just say, okay, well, I'm going to follow God and I'm doing pretty good and I got to this point and I just kind of stopped growing and stopped seeking the Lord and I'm just going to kind of stay here where I am spiritually until I get ready to pick it up again. Well, that's not the way it works. As long as we're seeking God and growing in God, we continue to move toward God. 
But the moment we stop, we don't stay where we are, we begin to regress. Because the moment we quit seeking God, there's something else that's probably going to come into our life. And we're going to begin to seek that. And a lot of times it's something from our past, some old sinful way or something we were tempted by. That thing is going to come back and it's, it's going to try to set up camp in our heart and take the place of God. And, and so we're not going to stay where we are if we're not seeking to grow in God and be mature in God. We're going to regress back to what we were, back to sinful people who are not trusting in God but are trusting in the world. And that is similar to what's going on here. And perhaps that's going on in some of our lives today. So what does he say? He says, look, we have a great deal to say about this. Now, in his case, Melchizedek. But in our case, we can expand that. Perhaps there are a great deal of things that God wants to teach us through his word, that God wants to teach us through a teacher or through a preacher. And perhaps we're not ready to hear it. Because we're spiritually immature, perhaps there are, there are ways that God wants to work in your life today, and maybe there are some of us in here that, that need to grow up spiritually. We need to recognize where we are and say, okay, God, I'm not in a good spot. I don't have a proper understanding of your word, or I, I'm not doing a good job of living by your word. And so what does he do here? He stops and he says, Wake up, essentially. You're not in a good, a good spot. You're, you, you should be better than what you are. You should understand God better than what you do. You should be living for God better than what you are. Continuing on, he says, We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Or some of your translations may say, You have become dull of hearing. Now, sometimes we become lazy in our walk with God. We quit reading God's word. We quit seeking God. When God speaks, we don't listen. We don't want to give God more of our time than we have to. We don't want to give more effort than we have to. We want to give God the minimum. What's the minimum I can do? Well, I can come to church and I can sit through a song service and maybe 30-minute sermon, and that's the minimum. I'm willing to give God the minimum. I don't want to look at God's word during the week. I don't want to listen when God's word speak. What's the minimum I can do to please God? Well, that's not good when we have that mindset. Our desire should be to live for God and to seek God and to grow in God. But what does he say of his audience? He says they've become lazy. They've become dull of hearing. They're not listening to the Word of God. They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. They're not paying attention. They've just become lazy. They've become stagnant, and they've begun to regress in their walk with God. This is not a good place to be. And perhaps we need to check ourselves today. It's good for us to test ourselves often in these areas we see. Now, I know that we probably come to church services and we sit in Sunday school and we probably all like to think, I am very spiritually mature. None of us come in here today probably and want to say, well, I'm immature. We all like to think of ourselves as being spiritually mature. And maybe some of us are more than others. Maybe some are, are continuing to grow, and hopefully we all are. But maybe sometimes, if we're honest, there are areas in our life in which we are very spiritually immature because we have become too lazy to seek God and to listen to God. This is not a good place to be, and he's, he's kind of calling his audience out here. None of us want to be called lazy and spiritually immature, but perhaps sometimes we need these warnings. We need these words of correction because sometimes we find ourselves 
in the same spot as the audience of the Hebrew listeners here and readers. Verse 12. Although by this time you ought to be, a, uh, ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. Now, he says here, by this time you ought to be teachers. Now, I don't think what he's saying here is that all of them have the gift of teaching. Now, there's certainly a gift of teaching that we see in the New Testament. And some people are gifted to be those who are going to stand in front of a group or sit in front of a group and teach the Word of God. I don't think he's saying that all of you should be teachers in that sense, that every Christian at some point should be able to sit and teach a group of other Christians, maybe in the same way that those who are gifted with teaching are. But at the very least, we should have some basic knowledge of the Word of God and know the Word of God and trust the Word of God and live the Word of God in our life that we should be able to teach others the basic truths, the basic principles of Jesus Christ. There needs to be at least some ability for us to be able to see somebody and say, hey, can I tell you the truth of the gospel? Can I tell you about how good God is? And it's not just a knowledge of knowing how good God is and telling people that, but it's also in how we live our life. We need to be living our life in such a way that we can say that. It's hard for us to tell other people the goodness of God and the grace of God and how to live if we ourselves aren't living very well. And so part of being able to teach and show others is, is by how we live ourselves. And the author of Hebrews here says, look, you should be at a point. You should, you, you've walked with Jesus long enough that you should have a basic understanding of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be able to stand on that truth and to be able to share that truth with others. But they're not able to do that. He says in the second part of that verse, you need milk, not solid food. You need milk. By this point, you should be able to, to really dig into God's Word and see the beauty of God's Word and the depths of God's Word and the, and the work of God and Jesus Christ and who He is, that we would grow in Him and learn from Him and follow His example. You should be digging into to great things that God wants to reveal to you and show you and work in your life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is, this is solid food. This is what you should be eating. But instead, He says, you need milk. Continuing on in the next verse. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. Now babies drink milk, and milk is great for babies. There are the nutrients that babies need, and that's all they can drink. That's what their body needs. That's what, that's what they're going to live on. That's what's appropriate for them when they're an infant, when they're a baby. But we don't keep feeding babies milk forever because it doesn't give them the nutrients that they need and they won't grow. As the baby begins to grow, they no longer drink just milk. There are other things that are added to their diet. They're solid food. And as such, it makes them strong. It makes them grow into a human being that's strong and into an adult. As adults, we don't, we don't drink milk. We eat food. I'll tell you guys, back when we... Uh, we went to Dallas on our on our little shoebox mission trip there where we go to work on, on shoeboxes. We uh one night we went over to uh, Fort Worth into uh this kind of like a like a old uh, uh stockyard district is called, and we ate at this fantastic steakhouse called Cattleman's Steakhouse. Now some of you may have heard of it. It's world famous. It's been there forever. And we went, now they, I know what you're saying. You, boy, I, you're really suffering for the kingdom on that mission trip. But we got to do it. 
Now, I'm going to warn you, if you go this year to Dallas, you might have to suffer too. But, but that's the way it is. So we go over there, and we go to this steakhouse, and we sit down. And we're sitting right by where the guy's making the steaks. And, he, boy, he's cutting them right there. And they got uh, salt and pepper, I think, is about all they use. They got their little seasonings there. And, and the waitress comes around, and she's asking everybody what they want. And they ask, you know, I want this steak, and I want that steak. And they got to me, and she said, what would you like? I said, I'd like a glass of milk. <laughs> now, that's not true. Why? I didn't want milk. Milk's not good. I wanted solid food. I wanted steak. I wanted something that would sustain me. We're, we, we understand this, this, this illustration that he gives here. That's why it's a beautiful illustration. We understand the significance that, hey, milk is good, but we don't just want milk, and milk is not sufficient to sustain us. And yet of his audience here, he says, look, you guys are like a bunch of babies. You're like a bunch of babies, and I'm sitting here having to give you a little milk and give you a little milk, and, and come on and come on, let's go. And he says, you shouldn't be this way. You should be mature enough that you should be growing in God and living for God and not, not being tempted to turn from God just because of the difficulties that you're facing in life. So you, you need to grab a hold of yourself and you need to pay attention. You need to pay attention to where you are and realize that that's not where you need to be. It's time to grow up is what he's telling him in these, in these verses here. Verse 14, But solid food is for the mature. For those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. That's, a, that's an interesting way to describe those who are mature. What's one thing that those who are mature can do? They can distinguish between what is good and what is evil. Now, obviously, his audience wasn't able to distinguish. They should have known that Jesus Christ is good, and these things that they are tempted to go back to and that they are tempted to doubt God and lose their faith and trust in God because of what's going on around them, that's not good. They ought to be able to recognize and, and distinguish the goodness of God's Word and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but, but they lacked that ability to distinguish good for evil, it appears. And what about you and I? Are we spiritually mature enough that we're able to tell the difference between good and evil? Well, that's part of it. And then once we distinguish between good and evil, which one do, they, do we choose? Which one were they going to choose? Perhaps there are occasions in our life where we're able to distinguish and understand the difference between good and evil, and we choose evil. Well, that's certainly not a sign of spiritual maturity, and so we want to make sure that we check ourselves, that we test ourselves, that we look at our own life and say, am I growing in the Lord? Am I seeing the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ? And am I striving to live for him in every way that I can? Or have I become lazy? Have I become lazy and begin to give in to the ways of the world and begin to go back to my old ways and stop seeking God because sometimes God's word is difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes perhaps we stop maturing because as we begin to mature and as we get into God's Word and it begins to speak to us, it begins to call things out to us that we don't want to hear. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with this. And well, Wait a minute, God, you want me to do what? You want me to give up what? You want me to stop doing what? You want me to start doing what? And we get to a point that as we grow in God and he begins to reveal stuff to us and he begins to work in our life and we begin to grow, that in some ways it's tough because it calls us to give up things and get rid of things and stop things that we don't want to. So we get to a point where we say, well, this is far enough. I've got the grace. I've got the forgiveness. I've got the mercy. I know who Jesus is. I trust him and all that stuff. And God, I know your word is good, but, but this is as far as I'm going. 
Because this is just who I am, God. This is who you made me to be. This is who I am. These are the things I'm going to do. And, and I'm not going to change even though your word says so. And so we, we kind of stop reading and trusting God's word. Because sometimes if we dig into God's word, it tells us things that we don't like. It convicts us about things. And it calls us to things that are, that are tough. But man, it's so beautiful as we grow in God and seek his word and listen to his word. Even though those things are difficult, it brings great joy to our life. It's certainly better to continue to grow in God than to say, man, God, this thing is too, stuck, too, too, too hard. I'm, I'm going to stop right here. And that's what the audience that the book of Hebrews is written to. They got to a point where it's pretty good. Jesus is pretty good, but, but that was as far as they wanted to go. Things were getting tough and it was getting difficult and, and they didn't want to go any further. And the author of Hebrews says, hold up. You guys should be better than this by now. You should be walking with the Lord and strong in the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And you're not doing so. You're acting like a bunch of immature babies. And sometimes perhaps that's our heart and that's our attitude. And we want to make sure we don't fall into that trap. Continuing on in chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity. Now, you would think that, that as he's talking about this, that he would, he would stop for a second and say, here's where you are, and let me walk you through it, and let's go through all this stuff again, and let's, let's reestablish things, but he doesn't do that. He says, look, this is where you are, and you shouldn't be here. Therefore, we're going to leave these things behind. I'm not spending time talking about these things because you should know these things. You should be growing in these things. He said, therefore, we're going to leave the elementary teachings behind. Now, he, he goes on here, as we're going to see, to list the, the foundational teachings of being a Christian. And the foundational teachings are significant. They are important. The elementary teachings are, 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 are foundational for us as Christians. When you go through elementary school... You don't start by learning trigonometry. You start by learning how to add and subtract. You have to start with a, with a good foundation before you can build your way up to bigger and better things. And he says, look, we're leaving the elementary things behind. Not that the elementary things were insignificant. He, he's not saying here, uh, okay, you, you know about the grace of God and, and, and it's time to grow out of that into something else. No, he's not saying you grow out of the grace of God. You grow into the grace of God. If you've experienced the grace of God and your foundation is built on Jesus Christ, then okay, your foundation is built. Now let's grow. Let's grow in the grace that we've received and the way that God has spoken to us and leave the elementary teachings behind. We have to have a foundation. The foundation is, 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 is important. You can't build anything without a foundation. When I was in third grade, by this point I'd learned how to add and how to subtract and all that good stuff, super important. But then when I got to third grade, my teacher had the craziest idea. She said, y'all are all going to have to learn your multiplication tables all the way up to 12. And I said to myself, who in the world has conjured up such an evil for a 10-year-old child that you have to learn your multiplication tables up to 12? This person must be of the devil. But that's the next step in the progression. I didn't say, well, look, teacher, I know how to add and how to subtract. Isn't that good enough? I'm just going to stop right here. 
And praise the Lord, I'm glad I learned those multiplication tables because guess what? Learning that next step was beneficial to me. It was helpful to me. And then you move on to the next step of math after that. And it's the same way in our walk with God. We, we learn the basics of Christianity, praise the Lord. We come in here and we, and we often, we, we even refresh ourselves on the, on the truth of the gospel. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That we are sinners in need of a Savior and Jesus came to be that Savior. And we need to repent of our sinfulness and put our faith in Jesus Christ so that our sins will be forgiven and we'll receive eternal life through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That is the foundation of Christianity, praise God, that Jesus came, he died for our sins, he rose again so that we may experience the grace of God. That is the foundation of Christianity, and what a beautiful foundation it is. But we don't come in here every week and just talk about that foundation. We may reference this, and it's good to reference it, but we need to grow on that foundation to be the men and the women that God wants us to be. So we learn the elementary things. We learn about the grace of God. And we continue to grow in the grace of God, hopefully. We continue to say, okay, God, I see the basic teachings of your word, and beautiful they are. But God, I want to know you better. I want to know you more. I want to understand your word. I want to understand how it applies to my life. So how do we do that? We do that by reading the word of God. Now, this is kind of a, kind of a weird thing, because people will say, well, I don't read the word of God because I don't understand it. Well, you don't understand the Word of God because you don't read it. It's a, it's a, lifetime, it's a lifetime of going back and forth. So, so we don't necessarily understand maybe all the things of the Word of God, but we read the Word of God, and then by reading it, we, we get an understanding of something that we didn't before. And then because of that understanding, the next time we read something in the Word of God, we understand that. And so it's this lifelong just building, God's Word just building on top of itself. That's why I appreciate books like Hebrews. And that's why I appreciate when people say, hey, here's the, here's the reference to that. Here's the scripture to that. And I know that sometimes it's kind of a bummer when the preacher, he, he goes up here and he says, let me tell you this verse and that verse. And I know it requires us to work a little bit and to think a little bit, but, but we need to be pushed and we need to know and we need to grow. We need to know the Word of God and understand how the Word of God is so beautiful and it all ties together in such a beautiful way. And I don't know that even if we live to be 100 years old, that we ever get to a point where we say, yep, I know everything about God's Word. I perfectly understand it in every way. No, the Word of God is living. And so we continue to read it, and it continues to speak to us in our life. And that's how we need to grow in the Lord. We learn the basics. We learn the elementary things. And we don't leave them behind in the sense that we forget them, but we leave them behind in the sense that, okay, this has been established. The foundation that I have in my life on Jesus Christ is established. Now let me build on that foundation. <coughs> Continuing on. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, this is, this is, kind, of a, this is kind of a tricky one here to, to know exactly where the author of Hebrews is coming from. There's a couple of ways that this is typically viewed, and maybe, maybe both are true to some, some extent. One is he's saying, well, he's referencing these, these works that were part of Judaism. 
that he's saying you don't need to lay again the foundation that's of Judaism. You've, you've come from those Jewish ways and you've, you've come to the Messiah, so don't, don't lay those things. That's, that's one way to view it, that he's, he's looking at it uh, from, from Jewish side of things. Another way to look at it is that, no, he's saying that these are, the, these are the foundational works of Christianity. These are the foundational works of the Messiah, of Jesus. And you've already been taught these foundational works. You've already come to faith in Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't have to repeat these things again. Maybe there's a connection between both. These things certainly apply when we look at this list of things that, that the Christian would do, that those who are in Christ would do. And perhaps there was some connection in some way to the old Jewish system of doing things. But it's interesting when we look at this list and he says, okay, these are the foundational things of being a Christian, the, the things of being a, 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 a one who's trusted in the Messiah. And look at the things he lists. We, we understand these things. Um, not laying again the foundation of, first one he lists is repentance from dead works. Okay, we understand that. The New Testament is full of uh, scriptures that call us to repent. Now, what does it mean to repent? To repent means that we've acknowledged that we're a sinner, that, w- that we know that we have sinned against God, that our, that our works that we're currently doing are, are worthless. There's, there's nothing that we've done to earn God's favor. I mean, the things that we do, our sin is, is just heavy upon us. And so we have to repent of our works of old before Christ. We have to repent of our sinfulness. And to repent is not just asking God's forgiveness, but saying, okay, God, I'm no longer going to do this. I'm turning from this. I'm not going to live in this lifestyle. I'm not going to live in this sin, God. I'm going to turn from this sinfulness. Okay, so we're turning from the sinfulness, but what are we turning to? Well, when we turn to, from our sinfulness, we're turning to God. So when we repent, we're not just saying, okay, I'm giving up the sin, but what we're saying is, God, I'm giving up the sin for you. I'm choosing you over the sin. So God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that, that, that I need a Savior, so God, I repent. I repent of my sins. God, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer going to seek sinfulness in my life. I'm going to seek you. And so we repent from our dead works. That's, that's the key. That's the first thing that we must do if we're going to come to Christ is acknowledge that we are a sinner. And so that's what he says, okay? So leaving, leaving behind these, these elementary teachings, these things that you should all uh, know by now, He says the first one is repentance from dead works. What's the next one in the list? Faith in God. Okay, well, that's the key. If we're going to to gain salvation, it's going to come from faith. That we are going to say, I'm a sinner, but God, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is your son, the Savior of the world, and there is salvation in no one but him. And so, God, I'm going to trust him. God, I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily see him in front of me in the flesh. I see your word. I don't necessarily understand all of your word. But God, I have faith. I have faith that your word is true, that your son is the Savior, and that he died for my sins, and that his sacrifice was sufficient. So God, I repent of my sins, and I have faith in you. I have faith in Jesus Christ, and we are saved by our faith. The next one in the list teaching about ritual washings. Now, some of your translations may say baptisms there. Some may say ritual washings. Some may 
say, baptism, but we certainly understand that concept. These are things that, that as we sit here today, and if we, if we have much knowledge about Scripture, this is the, these are the steps. This is the beginning. This is our foundation, he says, to becoming a Christian. We repent of our sins. We put faith in God. We're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, as Jesus has commanded his followers to do. So as he's, as he's talking about this foundation, he's listing the steps of the foundation. We get those first three there. No problem there. This is the way it is. If you've become a Christian today, you've gone through these steps. More than likely, you've, 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 you've certainly repented and come to faith in Christ if you're a Christian today. And I would imagine that, that probably everyone in here who's put faith in Christ has been baptized today. And if you hadn't, you should, because Jesus says, hey, this is, what, this is what you should do. So we understand these foundational teachings. The next one here we see in the list, laying on of hands. Now, this is something that that perhaps we don't see too much of these days. We see it in the Old Testament, We, or excuse me, in the New Testament. We see that that, that uh, when it talks about deacons or those who are going to serve, that, that there's a laying on of hands. Now, we see that a lot today for someone who surrenders to the, to the ministry, maybe missionaries, maybe pastors, maybe deacons. Oftentimes, a church will come and people will put their hands on them and they'll lay hands on them and they'll pray over them. We even see in the New Testament an instance where it talks about laying on of hands for someone to receive the Holy Spirit. And so this is part of the foundational teachings, he says. Okay, you repent, you come to faith, you get baptized, and laying on of hands. The next one on in the list is the resurrection from the dead. Okay, this is, this is an important teaching for Christians to know, that there's something better than this life, that, that we're not just putting our faith in Jesus for this life, we're, we're putting our faith in Jesus for all of eternity. And the scripture even talks about that. Paul talks about that. He said, how, 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 how horrible would that be if we just put our faith in Christ for this life? What good would that do us? But, but praise God, we put our faith in Jesus Christ, not just for this life, but in the life to come. Because this life is full of suffering and pain and heartaches and all these temptations and all this stuff. But we put our faith in Christ because we know that the scripture promises something better through Christ. That there's something better that awaits for us. That, that we don't just live through all the struggles of this life and die and that's it. But no, there's resurrection from the dead because Jesus was raised and has victory over death. So you and I will be raised and have victory over death. And this is a foundational teaching of the Christian. This is a foundational teaching. This shows maturity when we understand this. And, and certainly when people die, we mourn. It's not to say that we don't mourn. We do. When we lose somebody that we love, we mourn. But as the scripture says, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We don't weep like those who have no hope. Because those who are in Christ have hope. What's our hope? It's a foundational teaching, the author of Hebrews says, that there's going to be a resurrection from the dead. And what a beautiful thing that is. And, 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 and sometimes, you might think I'm kind of morbid for saying this, but sometimes some of the most beautiful services are funeral services. <laughs> It's, it's a beautiful thing when there's a, a brother or sister in Christ that has gone on to be with the Lord, and you look into the crowd, and there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are rejoicing, who are praising God, and there's, there's even smiles on faces, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Now, there are tears in our eyes, but, but we rejoice because we know 
As bad as this day is, it's only the beginning for the one who has left us. The one who has left us has gone to be with the Lord. And so it's a beautiful thing in a sense that, that even on our toughest days when we lose people, it's also a beautiful day to know that they have gone to be with Christ and we rejoice to know that we will see them again if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so he talks about uh, resurrection from the dead as a foundational teaching. And then the last one here is eternal judgment. Okay, so we repent, we come to faith in Christ, we're baptized, we lay on hands, we understand that, that Jesus Christ has given us victory, so we, we fight through this world knowing that this world doesn't get the final say. And what else? That we know that one day we'll have to stand before God. This is, this is, this is, this is kind of a scary thing, that one day we will stand before God. God. Now, this is, a, this is an important teaching. All of these things are important. Repentance, faith, baptism, resurrection from the dead, laying on of hands, eternal judgment. All of these things are important. They are significant. We want to understand these things. But once we understand these things, these, these elemental, uh, elementary teachings, then we need to continue to grow in the Lord and continue to seek God and continue to let Him work in our lives. And so we need to look at our life today and we need to say, okay, am I one today who's drinking milk or am I one today who's eating solid food? Am I one today that God may want to work through? Maybe God's trying to, to grow in your life. Maybe God wants to grow you. Maybe God's trying to help you to mature. Maybe God's shown you something in his words and maybe it's time to start living by those things. Maybe it's time to say, okay, maybe, maybe God's wanting me to dig, dig deeper. Maybe there's more I can do. Maybe there's more ways that God can use me. Maybe I've regressed back into sin. Maybe I've gone back into the ways of the world. Maybe I was on the right track and I was doing well, but now I'm not doing so well. And maybe this passage today is a good wake-up call for us to say, hey, it's time to wake up. Going to church every week and being able to pronounce all the big names in the Sunday school class doesn't make you mature. It's, it's not necessarily just a knowledge about God's Word, but it's what we do with that knowledge. It's not just about hearing the Word of God, but it's about doing the Word of God. That's how we grow mature, uh, into maturity as Christians, is we are obedient to the Word of God. The author of Hebrews had been talking about that the last couple of weeks. We've talked about the importance of being obedient to God. That's probably the best measure of how mature we are. Are we obedient to God? Are we obedient to God in the things we know? Are we trying to seek God to understand the things we don't? If we're being obedient to God and what we know and what God has revealed to us, then that's probably a good sign of our maturity. But if we've become lazy and we don't really listen to God's Word and we don't really pay attention to God's Word and we're not really being obedient to God's Word, then perhaps today we must admit and we must acknowledge that we're not spiritually mature. But hopefully our desire today is, A, to come to faith in Jesus Christ if you have not, and B, if you have, to continue to grow in Him, to continue to grow into maturity, to continue to grow into that grace that you've received, to say, God, you've given me something beautiful through Jesus, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Let me grow in you in every way today. The author of Hebrews is addressing an audience that was not growing in Christ. Let us not be like that audience today. Let us be those who seek to grow in him in every way. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. And I pray, dear Lord, that we would be those who seek solid food. 
Maybe, maybe we have become a little lazy or a little dull of hearing in some way, dear Lord. Maybe we just kind of kind of been tuning you out. Maybe we've been going through the motions of church and maybe even read your word a little bit. But dear Lord, maybe our heart's just not in it. Maybe we're not really listening to you, dear Lord. But I pray today, dear Lord, that we wouldn't be dull of hearing, that we would hear what you say. And not only would we hear it, we would do it, dear Lord. That's the key. So many times, perhaps, we are guilty of that, hearing your word but not listening to your word. So, God, I pray today that if, if there are some in this room that have struggled and maybe today they realize, you know what, I'm not where I need to be. There are some areas of, of immaturity in my life. I'm, I'm kind of childish in some ways as a Christian. Dear Lord, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're immature in every way, but maybe there are some areas, God, in their life that, that they know, that they've been convicted of, that they feel it, and they know they need to grow up a little bit. And God, we need your help to do that. So God, I pray that you would help us never to be afraid to grow in you. God, even when we grow in you and you begin to reveal things that are kind of tough for us to do, I pray that you would help us not to, not to stop there, but to continue to dig into your word, even the hard stuff, even the tough stuff, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to certainly have a firm foundation, that we would be established, dear Lord. If there's one that, that's not founded on Jesus today, that, that maybe today they would put their faith in Christ, God, that they would repent, come to faith in Christ, follow through with baptism, dear Lord, that they would begin to learn these things that we talk about and that we would continue to grow in those things together as a church, dear Lord. God, I pray that we'd be those who... who who listen to your word, who understand your word, who seek your word, not just on a Sunday morning for a few minutes, but, but in our life, dear Lord, that we seek to live by, that we seek to live in obedience to you, dear Lord, in all that we do. So we thank you for your words, God. We thank you for even the tough words like this that we need to read from time to time because every once in a while we need a wake-up call. Every once in a while we find ourselves kind of stagnant and regressing, dear Lord. But I pray that we would hear your word today. And if we need a wake-up call, that we'd be woken up. If we're doing good today, dear Lord, I pray that we'd rejoice in you. You know where we are. And God, if you've spoken to somebody today, I pray that they would respond to you. If there's something you've put on a heart to somebody today, God, I pray that they would listen to you and respond to you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.